0: And we are back, Chelsea fans. Yes, surprisingly, we're back for once during an international break. Uh, Thanks to Andres for that one, putting a a little bit of peer pressure on me earlier today. So uh, this week... Damn right. Yeah, damn right is right. Uh, This week, we're bringing back uh, our good friend of the podcast, uh, Bobby Meinhold. Bobby, how you doing, man?
1: I'm good. How are y'all?
0: We are great. And uh, in case y'all didn't notice, uh, Bobby's from Houston, too. Uh, right, Bobby?
1: Yeah, I am. I live in New York, though, so oh, long yeah, way he, from home.
0: A little closer to London. Yeah. <laughs> so this week, special episode. Obviously, it's international break. There really isn't much to talk about um, unless you go to Chelsea Twitter and join in on all the fun drama that's been going down there this week. Um, but we thought we would do something different since our Twitter questions and our uh, Twitter followers have been... Uh, very immersive the last few months we thought that we'd do a podcast strictly run by our followers so uh, all twitter questions today on the lineup a few people that uh, might sound familiar a couple rep ultras and uh and a couple people that might not sound so familiar so first things first uh, andres i know you put this question first and before (laughs) you ask it let's talk about the reasoning are you just trolling us by asking us this first or what
2: I mean, I think Chelsea Eric is definitely just trying to start this pod with a little bit of banter, and I'll just get right into it. He goes, "Do you guys think that Hazard's having a hard time finding form in Madrid, or his? Yeah, well, I can't even talk. Do you think Hazard having a hard time finding form in Madrid is due to the lack of him being surrounded by top players at Chelsea?" <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it. a little bit of background here if you guys have been sleeping under a rock on paper real madrid's team is far better or should be better than chelsea's they are top of the table as a a collective but not until recently did hazard uh get involved with goals he just wasn't getting as many touches so i just want to ask guys like what do you think Banter, banter, or not aside, up to you. What do you think is the reason Hazard hasn't found his form yet at Real Madrid?
0: Ooh, this is an interesting one. Okay, so the 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 whole top players thing—that's kind of nonsense. Um, I think I think something that Hazard's suffering from—it's I don't think it's necessarily the pressure at Madrid. I just don't think he has a top manager. Like, yeah, I I said it. I don't think Zidane is a top manager he's he won back-to-back-to-back champions leagues but that team literally had no tactical flexibility and they weren't they were actually they were only strictly set up to service ronaldo in the box you take ronaldo out of that equation you put someone like of hazard's caliber in virtually the same system with the same midfield pretty much the same back line and what do you get you don't really get much um you know Hazard Hazard likes to tuck in. He likes to play on the inside, and unfortunately for him, he can't leap out of the room like Cristiano, and he also can't score 50 goals a season like Cristiano. So I think that's what they're suffering from. Um, I don't think Zidane has done him any favors. I don't think playing Tony Cruz and Luka Modric game after game after game is helping the situation at all. I think I I think they need to just bring in a new blood. They need to rip a page out of Chelsea's book. As funny as it sounds, throw on the kids. Get all the young players on. Real Madrid has a fantastic academy. And, like, I'm not just talking in, in, in FIFA sense, because, like, all their players have, like, over 85 potential in their academy in FIFA. But that's beside the point. They need to throw on the kids. Play some of those young players, some of that new blood. You know, I'm, I'm, It's gotten to the point where, dare I say it, I know my fiancé will hate me because she's a Madrid fan, but they've gotten kind of boring to watch because they're not very mobile. They're not very athletic. They're very one-dimensional. They seem to play vertical football, which is a uh, I, I, I bland. I, there's no really other way to say it, but you know, I I just think it's. I don't think it's. I don't think Zidane's been doing him in any favors, and I think you know, he he's always had top managers by his side. He had he had Antonio Conte, he had Jose Mourinho, you know, uh, top top managers with all this experience in different leagues who, who set their teams up in multiple ways as well, which is something that needs to be noted here. I don't think it's a coincidence he's suffering at Madrid, but Bobby, I'm curious to see, like, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, I agree with you with what you said about, what you said about Zidane. Um, I think a, a good comparison, uh, and this isn't very nice, but a good comparison for Zidane would be like Jim Harbaugh, the Michigan Wolverines head coach. Um, he kind of just has a lot of talent and isn't doing a lot with it. And I'm not really surprised. Like, you mentioned the managers that that uh, Hazard has played for before, and they're kind of tinkerers. Like, they do different things. They have, like, you know, set tactics, and they like to mess with things. And I don't really, like, see Zidane as, like, an intellectual in that kind of sense. Like, he doesn't seem like someone that's going to, like tinker with little things it's kind of just like rallying the troops and like oh like you know let's go out there and like you know just beat them because we're better and like you should be good because you play for real madrid like not because i'm going to put you in a position to succeed but because you should be good because you know you play for madrid like it just doesn't seem like there's much to him so i don't know that it has as i mean and and of course like he has to get used to it i saw a quote that said something along the lines of uh of he does he's not a Galactico yet like I, I don't remember the quote it was like I think Hazard said like I'm not a Galactico yet I have to show I can be one so I think the pressure is there a little bit with him I think he feels a li- feels it a little bit but I don't know that I don't know I, I yeah I, I agree with you I feel like it's more more Zidane and like him trying to fit into a team that doesn't really have like an identity like it sounds stupid because they don't. they're in first they really but they don't. don't really have an identity it's just kind of like it's just kind of like, yeah, we're a bunch of really talented players playing together in a league that is good, but, I mean, they're arguably the most talented team in it, so that can take them a long way.
0: And the bulk of that, and, like, the biggest chunk of that squad was built years and years and years in the making strictly to service Cristiano. Yeah. And, and, you know, like, a lot of people are saying, and it's a huge debate, I kind of agree with it, actually, where you know, Zidane was able to maximize Ronaldo's output but you know now that Ronaldo's gone we've taken a, we've taken a step back and looked at it and been like no actually Cristiano's just that good i yeah. don't think it i don't think it's Zidane making him you know the best player in the world i just think he is but andres what do you think
2: yeah man i uh, i think it's a little bit of both i think Zidane just kind of thinks okay this is what worked for me the last Seasons I had success here, so I'm just going to keep putting it out there. But also, I just don't think that Modric and Kroos have aged gracefully. And Casemiro just can't do it all by himself. So
0: Casemiro in, kind of can't play football. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I, 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 they, I, I don't see all the hype.
2: I mean, he's just a bulldog. He's kind of like just... The angry guy that tackles like he is what people think Conte is when they say like, oh, he's only a DM. Like he's
0: like he's like a Dollar Tree version of Arturo Vidal.
2: I was going to go for him next. Yeah. So Casemiro scores the occasional screamer or like header. But yeah, he's not going to give you seven goals a season. But I don't think he can do it by himself. Kroos, yes, he's very good at passing. But outside of that, he is slow slow as molasses so he, i recently they've been kind of doing the Valverde, the and casemiro kind of double pivot but it's a 4-3-3 three, three, and then they'll bring Hamas to play the number 10 and that's helped a little bit more but even then like the way madrid has been playing it's it just feels like they're not looking for a hazard out wide like you, you like you just talked about they're, they're used to playing these crosses in Instead of maybe, like, finding Hazard early and letting him do what he's good at. Like, I I know Hazard scored a nice goal not too long ago. But I have yet to see him go on these darting runs like he did at Chelsea. And that's because the ball's not getting to him early enough. Like, at Chelsea, he was getting the ball maybe 10 yards from the halfway line. And then it's like, all right, do your thing. I feel like he's getting the ball at Madrid, like, right outside the box where the defense is extremely compact. And then there's just nothing for him to do at that point. Like the point of Hazard is to stretch the defense and then make them all look foolish. So as much as Zidane wanted Hazard, he has no idea how to use him.
0: Ah, It's an interesting one. Does it? I want to follow up that question by asking you guys a question. I mean, this is something I've been very conflicted in my mind with. I mean, obviously I still wish he would do well, but at the same time, you know the second Hazard starts playing well for that team, all the other talent is going to be maximized. Because that's just what Hazard does. He makes the players around him a million times better than they actually are. And uh, and you know, once he gets going, I, I think Madrid could be ridiculous, but I don't think that's going to happen with Zidane there. No. Maybe Poch?
1: Yeah. That's what I I would that's love what, what I Poch in a team with that's willing to spend money. That would as be a, fun to watch.
0: As a Chelsea fan, I know it's blasphemy, but I'm really curious to see what Pochettino could do with a fat budget.
1: Yeah, I think it would be fun to watch.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I would
1: love for Spurs to lose a manager and have him be wildly successful elsewhere. That would be great. That would be great. And as <laughs> sooner as Zidane gets out, the
0: faster these Angolo Conte rumors could go away, too. Mm-hmm. God, that's terrifying. I think we all knew Hazard was going to leave at some point, like, in the back of our minds. But I never, never once even thought about N'Golo Kante leaving. I'm too scared to.
2: I want to use that, what you just said, as a little transition. Because I swear, this week, people are losing their mind because Conte like, might have gotten slightly injured. Apparently, Uh he trained. But no, people are already, like, ready to sell Conte just because... He's (laughs) He's tw- <laughs> 28 and has picked up a couple of injuries. Like, are you uh, kidding me? Is like, the Conte's, Conte's just a guy. The he's just the guy that, like, wants to always play. And if the coach is telling him to play, he's not going to say no. So I, I'm blaming the coaching, not Conte's physical level. And also, Conte's good enough to where he doesn't need to have this unlimited engine battery to be a good player. So people need to just chill down, chill out, like, we're not going to sell Conte. He's still going to be very important for the next, like, three, four seasons. So yeah. I- I've just found those comments extremely ridiculous.
0: Okay, Roman's vision is to play, like, this beautiful, fluorescent, you know, football, right? To be Barcelona-esque, like, peak Barcelona-esque. That's always been his vision from day one. That is impossible without Angolo Conte in the team. And, and we, we said this so many times on the podcast last year, and Andres, you could attest to this too, because I think me, you, and Sam have made this point throughout last season. Our best player was Hazard. But our most important player was Ngolo Conte. And he has been since he came to the club. So I mean we see the difference already when he came back the, the difference in the way the team's playing from when he came back from injury and you know how poor we were at the beginning of the season and how we are now, just how much we've improved. And he's still not even playing in his quote-unquote natural position. Like, he's by far the best box-to-box mid in the world. Probably one of the best I've ever seen, but I don't know. I just, I, I can't imagine Chelsea without him now, and it's its terrifying.
1: Not a world I want to live in.
0: No, but but do we think it's an actual possibility? I mean, we're not insiders or anything,
1: but honest opinion. I mean, anything's a possibility with enough money getting thrown around. I mean, like, if, if somebody I – mean, I, I saw the one that I've seen the most, like $70 million. Uh, mm-hmm. that's, that's asinine. Like, I, I – no way, no way his transfer fee is the same as Murata's. I can't believe that. <laughs> like, and he's on a better I,
2: contract. Like, that's a yeah. third of the – that's a third of the price that I would even consider.
1: Yeah, he's, he's – I mean, in my opinion, the best player at his position in the world – And certainly, arguably, to anybody else. Um, So $70 is is ridiculous. It would have to be, I mean, it would have to be a huge transfer, I think, to to pull him out. Or he would have to voice displeasure, which does not seem like his personality in the slightest.
2: He's been extremely pleased at Chelsea. Like, all he's done since he arrived is talked about how amazing it's been. So, yeah, for those people that think that selling Conte is smart or the right move, get out of here.
0: No. Conte right. by Neymar. off.
1: No. <laughs> Please no. Shit.
0: I don't think I don't think anything has irritated me more on football Twitter. Probably since like the beginning of the Jorginho hate last season. Nothing is nothing has pissed me off more than this Neymar talk. Like straight up. I, I cannot stand the guy. He's yeah, he's a he's a cancer. He's like Carmelo Anthony. Football form. I, like he gets the movie once and he comp- and he wants to leave right away like immediately I'm not happy here Mbappe is not good enough I hate winning every single game every single season and winning every single trophy Boo fucking who <laughs> you left Barcelona it- that was your choice
2: yeah, and, and people also forget that the guy misses like three months a year in the most yep. important part of the season. Talk about injury, bro. Like clockwork, dude. Like early spring, he gets hurt.
0: He, he hurt just... himself a couple of days ago, didn't he? Yeah.
2: Yeah, he did. Yep. He, he's out again for at least four weeks. So <laughs> it's one of those things where like, is Neymar a really good player? Yeah, he definitely is but do you bring him into where he's going to make everything about him when right now everything has been so positive positive, uh, so positive, and so team-oriented? like It just doesn't seem like the direction we're trying to go to. Uh, but we'll get to the transfers in a little bit. Um, let's talk a little bit about the international break. Our boy Ron, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Deluxe, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Cool, is on vacation. But he still finds time to send us some pretty good questions. So he starts off and asks, can we place a ban on our players joining their international squads during the season? I know it's a pipe dream, but fuck, man, we always get hurt. So, yeah, guys, this is uh, looking like an emergency room more than the football team. So how are you guys feeling about this? I think it uh, you, you go, can go go for it go for it. Um, I
1: think that uh, that this is an issue I've had with with uh, with lamps a little bit is, and it's not even like a Pulisic thing. like take Pulisic out of the equation. Uh, we, our squad rotation has been bad. Uh, I, there was a stretch. I forgot the three matches, but there, there was a three match stretch where we essentially played the same starting 11, three matches in a row. Um, and especially with young players, like they're just not used to it yet. And like playing that many games in a row. And then you have old, you had people coming into the season with injuries uh, and you're playing them like just like rotate the squad. You have to rotate the squad, especially when we're playing like league cup games and like, it's just, it's been so rough. Like even in sub appearances and stuff, like maybe take people off a little earlier if the game's in hand and get somebody in that hasn't played a lot. It just, I feel like squad rotation could really help ease ease the pain of... Because of, I know they got injured, obviously, on the international break, but it has to be a carryover effect from playing so many minutes during the season.
0: I, I don't know. I think Frank's done a decent job rotating. But then again, I mean, we also talk... Like, the beginning of the season, I, I'm pretty sure... I think it was Tammy that said, you know, at first the players hated training with Frank because all he did, all he made them do was run. But what makes this year specifically any different than you know, Conte's reign or any of the Mourinho reigns. Like, guys that historically are known to run their players to the ground. You know, for me, there's really no excuse. Like, I think there's something deeper here where, you know, Callum Hudson-Odoi pops his Achilles off and walks about 120 yards around the pitch to the dressing room. Loftus-Cheek popping his Achilles as well. You know, we, we got... We get Brudiger's mysterious injury. Who who knows what it is? You know, he tweaks his knee and then all of a sudden he has an underlying groin issue. And now we're seeing the same thing with N'Golo Conte. Kovacic is in and out. I, uh, now it's Emerson. We've just been very unfortunate, but it's not, you can't chalk it off to just that. It, there's just, I don't remember having this many injuries when uh, in Mourinho's second stint before the whole Eva thing. I don't remember having this many injuries. And we were still competing in four competitions, and the squad was getting rotated less. We were actually an older squad all the way around. It's, 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 it's kind of confusing.
2: For, for me, I think it actually comes back before Lampard. I think this goes back to, to Maurizio Sarri's issues with rotation. You have to think that N'Golo Conte played almost every minute. Almost. almost. Mm-hmm. Jorginho has been lucky. Well, he, his role is different, right? His role is more on the ball. At least it was under sorry. But you you th- talk about the guys that are injured. You had Rudiger and uh, Rudiger and Conte, the most probably the two most used players under Sarri. They're both kind of gone. Ru- uh, Loftus Cheek's injury. We can probably blame the pitch conditions of that charity match because that field was disgusting. Yeah, way to go, New England. Um, Way to go, Chelsea, for putting a charity match in the middle of the season. Shit, yeah. (laughs) Um, But I I don't think it has to do with Lampard or or that sort of thing. Like I said, I think it goes back to the fact that last season we played – honestly, we made it deep in every competition, and sorry, used 14 players. So the guys that are injured today – are some of those guys that were part of those 14. So, or not just that, they're also extremely important in their national team setups. So it's one of those things where like, even when they could have gotten a break, they were playing international football. So uh, I kind of see this as the same thing that happened to Oscar when he first joined us. He came from like the Olympics to a season with Chelsea, to then the Copa America, to another season with Chelsea, to then the World Cup. It's like, these guys are human. At at one point, they're going to need a break. And unfortunately for these guys who are injured for us, they just haven't had the chance to do that, whether it's by choice or by their own perhaps slight ego of always wanting to play. But, yeah, I think it's just overall exhaustion dating back to last season.
0: Yeah. I don't know. It just doesn't rub me the right way. For me, it's it's more I, I i don't think i'm not gonna bash a medical staff because i don't really know but it's just it, it seems very odd uh, and you know i guess I, i'm a laker fan right we had an athletic trainer gary vd uh, who was our athletic trainer for since we were at the forum you know, years know years at least four decades i would say anyways we had gary vd in was one of the best trainers He was able to manage all these different types of injuries. I remember one year Kobe had 19 different injuries and only missed like a handful of games because Gary Vitti was just like a master at patching up players. But we had a great athletic trainer. We never had injuries as an issue. He leaves. The Lakers have had a horrible injury record since. I don't think it's much different from Chelsea. I'm not saying Eva Carniero was, you know, heaven sent, you know, master, doctor, whatever. But, Certainly there has to be something behind a whole medical staff leaving and a new one coming in and then all of a sudden we're starting to see the injury bug bite a little bit more than it used to.
2: Yeah but, but she came she left three seasons ago. I mean we've had two other managers and we were we never had this level of injury. So like
0: Conte got lucky his first season. We hardly had he played he played Marcus Alonso every single match. And he, never right, and he was
2: playing one game a week. He was playing one game a week, two at most sometimes. But then the second season, he he still didn't face that sort of thing. Like Mo, Conte, the guys – again, the guys that we've been talking about that are hurt today, those guys were playing plenty then. And, and that's why I, I don't think it has to do with the, the PT or, or the medical staff. That's why I think it goes back to the fact that under Conte and Sari, there was just this very important core of players – and that was it. Like there was no periphery and it might be the fact that our transfer business was god awful during that time. That you look at the bench and you're like, "No hell no, I'm going to stick to these guys." And then now their bodies are paying for it. Like we had a World Cup, a Confederations Cup. This is probably the first summer I take it back. We just had another World Cup. Yeah, yeah. This is probably the first summer just now where the players got some break.
1: Well like even you look at a player like Pulisic, not that he's picked up an injury, but he had like what between the uh the Gold Cup ending and he went straight no, he went straight from the Gold Cup. He took yeah, he um, like he took yeah. a week and a half off between the end of Dortmund season and he the cut Gold his Cup. summer short even. Yeah. And like and I'm sure not I've looked at, like I just know him personally, like from obviously following the US men's national team, but like I'm sure that there are a ton of other players that had similar situations that basically from the end of last season to the beginning of this one uh especially if they're playing with their national team they probably had you know a couple weeks maybe off uh, of vacation where they weren't you know training like it's just insane how much the the players have to play now the demand is is crazy
2: yeah so uh, i want to move on to the next thing now i think we've we've kind of talked about the injuries plenty but at uh, Dylan 4 asks, "What do you guys think on Deschamps and Martinez's comments about Bashoai and Giroud needing more game time?" So both managers this past week have called out the club for essentially playing Tammy Abraham over each of their respective strikers. Um, <laughs> that's what I mean, yeah. First things first. Like, who cares what they think? They yeah. don't pay <laughs> these players salaries. They get to just come once in a while and be like, all right, I'll take these guys. And the, the fact is that the way France plays is totally different than the way Chelsea plays. And Giroud mm. is kind of like a target man slash false nine for man France. Team, man. Yeah. yeah. He does this role where he's not a forward. Like Giroud is probably the most creative player on that team because he's always setting up everyone around him. Like, We're not we don't ask our forwards to do that. We are now playing a counter pressing high energy style, which is why he's not getting as many minutes, because let's be real. Drew is not the quickest or the most mobile guy right now. So I just I just think that that kind of comparison is just not like for like.
1: I it's think, just not our job Yeah, to play them. <laughs> like, yeah. if they, you know, our job, like, Chelsea's job is to win games. Um, And, I mean, more or less, you know, we've been doing that. And, uh, and I mean, Mishi, as of late, has gotten some time. Uh, But, I mean, Tammy's the co-leader in goals. Like, why, why would you take him out? Or why would you, you know, like... Why would you replace him with Michi or, or have Michi cut into his time when he's playing so well? Like, It's just them defending their players. Like That's that's really all it's coming down to is them defending their players.
0: Yeah, and all I have to say about that is how can you not start Tammy? He's yeah. scored almost a goal a game. He scores in almost every game he's, he plays. So, you know, oh, and, and if he doesn't score one week, he'll just score two the next, like, how do you not play that guy every single game, <laughs> especially at his age? I don't even know why I'm trying to prove my point. How do you not yeah. play him?
2: It, it's simple, and and you guys can think of it as a Texas thing. But if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like simple as that. We're yeah. scoring goals with Tammy, but not at not Willie B had a different perspective, and his is more about experience and being proven, and he's just trying to understand. Why in matches where that sort of experience could be key, such as Champions League matches, we're still not using Giroud. Again, it it goes back to just form, right? The fact that we have a young striker, and if he's on fire, you kind of ride the hot hand, right? It's not anything personal, is it?
1: No. I think most Chelsea fans like Giroud, so it wouldn't be that. And I don't think, like, Giroud's not a controversial personality, so I don't think that, like... I don't think it would be that with Frank either.
2: My, my other thought process is that, l- let's face it, I don't think Giroud has an extension anywhere in Chelsea's plans, and it's not a dig at him or his quality. It's just the fact that we're going in a different direction as a club altogether. And there, there might just be instructions from the top, like, hey, if, unless Mishi and Tammy are playing poorly, that should be the order of usage. Giroud should be third in line.
1: Well, and that's kind of how it always is. Like, with any sport, uh, you if if the players are of equal caliber, you're going to want to play the younger player. Like, so even if you think that Mishi and Giroud are completely equal in every way, you're going to give Mishi the edge in playing time because, like you said, he has, like, he's 26. Like, he is a possible extension. Like, he just, there's, he has more, he has a future with the team where, like, Giroud probably doesn't.
2: Or even if he doesn't, he's got more value in general. Right, like he is exactly. worth more capital than Giroud is. Giroud is walking exactly. on a free and probably going to Montreal or Miami.
1: <laughs> yep. <laughs> that guy, I'd love to see him in Miami, personally. Please come to LAFC. Oh, I, my yeah. God. We no, need to no, so bad.
2: Giroud is going to be announced <laughs> in a freaking short, short swimsuit. Sipping on some drink oh, God. in Miami FC colors, some Miami you Vice imagine? open Hawaiian. Listen like, Giroud is there to sell female <laughs> tickets, man. Oh,
1: because he is incredibly good looking, so that oh, would be. I can totally dropper. see him doing that. You oh, got you God. got
2: David Beckham as the owner. You bring oh, yeah. in someone like Andrea Pirlo as your manager, and oh. then you put in Giroud. Oh man, that is going to be like eighty <laughs> percent female attendance.
1: Yeah, their their ticket sales are going to be through the roof.
2: The one stadium in Miami that will sell out will be Miami yeah, the, only, the only
1: one in the entire state of Florida. Oh,
2: my God. Yeah, that would be incredible. <sighs> Man, but in, in, less, in lesser funny news, uh, today the Bulgarian uh, national team faced off against England, and sadly racism was the headline, not the fact that England thrashed them 6-0 after an unconvincing match earlier this weekend. So Dylan Lee says rep ultras greater than Bulgarian ultras to make light (laughs) of the situation. But, I mean... It's the best. (laughs) That shit's so funny. (laughs) (laughs) What do you guys make of this situation? Like, honestly, like, 2019, and we're getting monkey chants, Nazi symbolism there's like spoof shirts that say no respect instead of respect with like the fifa logo or waifa logo Mm, next to it like what does waifa specifically need to do because you know even here in the u.s we don't have those sort of level of like open displays of racism this is like strictly a european issue it feels like in terms of the footballing world like at this point what is Wayfuck going to do? Like what do you guys think would be the right move? Like if the moment that monkey noises are heard over the, like the the audio of a recorded match, like what should be the, the proceeding?
1: Matches played behind closed doors. All your matches played behind closed doors. That, that way I they, mean,
0: they won't lose just, TV money. They yeah. could still they could still air it on TV.
1: Yeah, yeah. it's just it's gotten to the point now. And, I, like, what What was really, like, disheartening about it was on Twitter, Raheem Sterling's response was, like, uh, it was almost, like, just so sick of talking about it. Like, someone, because he's gotten so much of it, whether it's from yeah, the press, yes. from fans, I mean, it's insane. And, it like, even from him, it's, it, like, he is to the point of, like, exhaustion, it seems mm-hmm. like talking about it like th- this yeah. is a joke. And like Italy, the FA has done absolutely nothing uh, and they've had a ton of issues. So, I mean, like you said, like the, the Italian FA is a joke. It's a, yeah, it's an absolute joke. So yeah. like and like I saw a report that like Popov, the manager or the the captain of Bulgaria, uh, talked to supporters at halftime. Um, I don't didn't see if there was a report on like what he said, but obviously stuff continued after half.
2: Oh, not um, just that. The manager said that he heard nothing. It's like, what?
1: Yeah, yeah. Did I mean, this is a joke. Especially Bulgaria. Bulgaria should be punished. I mean, oh, yeah. unreal.
2: I, I think that the that the, the whole playing behind closed doors needs to happen post-facto, right? Like, that's the punishment yeah. after the fact. So the punishment in the moment should just be a, a forfeited match. The, the mm-hmm. team, the away team gets the victory. And for the rest of the calendar FIFA year, you don't get any tickets allocated to the national team of X country that showed racism. Because if you just try to find those three guys that did the chance, like that's not going to happen anymore. These guys were all putting their hoods on and hiding their face. They know there's cameras around. So then like, how do you find out who was who if they've been hiding their face the whole game whilst abusing players and staff? Like, Tyrone Mings had his national team debut ruined by the fact that he had to answer questions and deal with racism. Like Jesus Christ, guys. Like, yeah, no. And like, it,
0: I, I guess something that's interesting for me is that, you know, you look at American sports, that shit would never fly. You know, oh if my God, if no. somebody, somebody sends out something and we were talking about Daryl Morey, the owner of the Houston Rockets, like right before we went on GM, it. Right. GM. So like, or, or GM. So, guy sends out one tweet and look at the look what happens look at the fallout look at the media look at the media backlash and 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 just it creates this whole shit storm but it creates like it it also creates a a conversation that society in america especially has all the time where like we we question these things openly right we we tackle the issue of racism head on here. And you look at the impact of athletes like LeBron James and um, you know, you think Muhammad Ali in his time, even in the sixties at the the impact he was able to make in terms of racial issues. You don't see any of that in, in, in Europe. And and I'm not, I'm not like stigmatizing or, or, or bashing European culture, but I just think it's an interesting conversation because you know we also have the upside of uh you know the the people that are running our sports leagues here are not as corrupt as some of the people in europe and i feel like a lot of the people in europe have been there for so long that it's they're never going to get usurped from their position right but here in the u.s you got like adam silver of the nba he might be the best commissioner in sports period you know like just in terms of what he's willing to tackle and what he's willing to risk in order to say, no, fuck this. This isn't okay. It has to stop or else. And you just yeah. don't see that anywhere else. We're talking about the Italian FA. Look at them. How many times are Cagliari fans uh, are going to be
1: racist to, to, to right.
0: every single black player that steps on the field? Like it, It's just it's so ridiculous.
1: Well, and like you were saying too, uh, I mean a perfect example of, of racism not being tolerated in the NBA was Donald Sterling. Donald Sterling yeah. got caught— col- you know the the recordings of him just being incredibly racist, and then tons of other accounts of him just being unbelievably racist. And the NBA told him you got to sell the team, like yeah. <laughs> not, not even a question, sell the team. Um, yeah,
0: and that was the NBA being nice.
1: Yeah, like <laughs> it, it, you never see that. And I mean, but, I mean, look, like the I mean, like teams. I mean, teams in the in the prem are owned by you know huge it's the people they're owned by are scummy like. I mean, our owner is not even allowed in in the UK. Um, Like, it's just I think it's it's so 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 about money. Like, so that the ownership thing you want to put like to me, you'd want to put it on the owners to like police this problem themselves. Like, ideally, that would be it because it should be them doing everything in their power to make sure that that, that shit doesn't fly in their stadiums. Uh,
2: yeah. to, National
1: team to, games are different, though. To
2: defend Roman Abramovich, who might be a sleazy businessman <laughs> outside, <laughs> he does have a bunch of anti-Semitic like things that he does do. With oh, him. yeah. Like, yeah, so, yeah, not, yeah, he yeah but he's, that's not he's
1: racist or anything. He's also
0: Jewish, too. So, like, yeah. you know, that's obviously something that's, like, like personal to him.
2: Right, right. Under- but, yeah. I mean, that he is trying to, like, change the narrative and and Chelsea goes to Auschwitz and they do all these other things. Like they have these campaigns, but they
0: do a lot of great stuff with, you know, like the whole anti anti anti-Semitism thing. Like we've tackled that pretty openly, but
2: how many other clubs have done something like that? Right. And again, it it needs to go above the clubs because a club has like 13 nationalities within a team Mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, squad and, and uh back back backroom staff and even just like pitch management like at the end of the day that that's already a melting pot but but it's when it's like a culture as a whole like these these countries and fas like the world cup is supposed to be this unifying tournament and we're supposed to be talking about cultural diversity but everything leading up to it like these english players knew ahead of ahead of time oh we're going to bulgaria we're gonna get racist abuse. like tammy abraham said this like a day or two ago, like if I get, you know, r- racial abuse, the team agreed that we would decide on that moment. If we walk out, like that's what happened. Like
0: that's what should happen. Yeah.
2: I mean, th- that I'm, I'm just saying like, these are things that, are yeah. have, that have to be discussed pre-match instead of tactics. And that's just bullshit. Well, but, I would
1: Yeah, I would go ahead. like a team to walk out. I think that I know that it's obviously a giant risk because you lose points, but like right now, you're not, like, the FA's, or, like, UEFA's hand, in this case, is not being pushed. Like, they they don't necessarily have to do anything. But if England said, no, fuck this, and walked off the pitch, then, you know, they'd technically be forfeiting. But the public outcry would be, you know, well, <laughs> they were getting monkey chance. Like, why the fuck would they sit there and, and be okay it. with this? So I think, I mean... I would love for a team to do that. I don't expect them to do that. They shouldn't have to do that. But, I mean, it would certainly be interesting if, if a team did do that.
2: Yeah. But um, we'll go on to the next question. And it's about our very own Ross Barkley, who must have a doppelganger when he plays for the Three Lions. Because, once again, Ross Barkley was Ross the boss for England today. He had... If I'm not mistaken, two goals and an assist. So Ron asks, what is the enigma that is England Ross versus Chelsea Ross? What the actual hell, guys? Two weeks ago or three weeks ago when Bobby was last on this podcast, I tore this man to shreds. And here he is just bawling out of his mind again. And sadly, with all these injuries, it means he's probably going to start the next couple of games for Chelsea. So please, somebody tell me how we get this man to do the same thing when wearing a blue kit.
1: Play against bad teams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how about that for starters? Yeah. Uh,
0: I would I would probably bang in a goal every now and then against San Marino too. Like, <laughs> No, but it, it, I'm just kind of tired talking about him because I think we've all come to the conclusion that Ross Barkley is more what could have been than what is going to be you know yeah. like he, he doesn't have a lot of upside anymore he's 26 he is who he is he's not a bad player by any stretch he's a you know he's serviceable but he needs a change of scenery like I think if he gets a move to like one of the sort of big six contender clubs the if he can get a move to you know <laughs> Liver, uh, uh, Liverpool to like a Leicester <laughs> or an Everton yeah go back to Everton but the problem is Everton's going to be like, wait, we sold him for fifteen, and now he's actually worth that much, so we won't pay more than fifteen million. <laughs> so I would rather or sell they him might somewhere get relegated. else. Maybe we could get more. Yeah, I don't know what the hell is going on over there, but I'm just over talking about it because he is who he is, guys. Like this is but, this.
2: But this at is what it. point? At what point does Frank realize that like I, something about Ross Barkley in a Chelsea blue jersey just doesn't click? Like. He played well for England against Bulgaria but like at what point is it going to translate Frank, to Chelsea? Now coming back from the international break where you don't you know we don't play Ross Barkley in our starting 11 because I can almost assure you he will be in that starting 11 against Newcastle.
0: He's going to keep playing because Frank has nothing to lose right now. So, mm-hmm. you know, there uh, Ross Barkley's not dead in the water. He could turn it around and put together two or three games where he Gives us something better than a six. You know what I mean? So, you know, he has nothing to lose. This season he has a free pass. So why not keep playing the guy? If he eventually gets it together, great. If not, hey, we bought him for 15 million. Maybe we can sell him for 30. And, you know, we'll be up 15 million dollars. And now we have that money to reinvest in the squad. I don't know. I just don't think he has anything to lose by playing Ross Barkley, just like he has nothing to lose by playing Alonzo even when Emerson comes back, you know, or playing Willian over, you know, someone else because, you know, these this season he has a free pass to do so.
1: Yeah, it's just a lot of injuries too, like we yeah. were talking about earlier. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, just that's why Ross Barkley is going to play is we got to yeah. keep people healthy. We got to
0: bring Ampadu back, man. Yeah, that's what that's, we got to do. He Didn't he get a knock too, though?
2: Didn't yeah, go he, got he got whacked. got whacked in the <laughs> yeah. head. Yeah, that was rough to watch. That yeah. that was a very physical game. That was the mm-hmm. second guy that got whacked in the head by one of the Croatian players, right?
0: It was yeah. Croatia's nuts Fink, dude.
2: Fink-a-bitch or something. Yeah. They like
0: beat that. the hell out of teams. Minus Dejan Lovren, they beat the hell out of teams.
2: Yeah, Lovren should have been called for a PK too. But anyway, that's totally different. Um,
0: Lovren shit of- defending from
2: him. What? <laughs> yeah. Speaking of getting healthy, at Envard says, right now, I think all we need is to get 100% healthy. And if you said I had 200 million euro and had to spend it, Sancho. Fancy a shot to make a boyhood dream come true. Other than that, maybe it's a pipe dream, but David Oliva would be good too, but I'm happy with this young All England squad we got. So guys, that's what everybody's saying now. We have the hazard money. Morata's money comes in next summer who knows if we'll finally get money for Bakayoko? The point is money's coming in and the way the squad is starting to look, we don't have to just buy everywhere. We can kind of pick and choose who we get. So is the biggest money going to go to someone like Sancho? Like who do we think is going to be that marquee signing for Chelsea next season?
0: Ooh, see – I hate the Neymar rumors, I love these ones, but are we really, do we really need to, is that really a focal point in the squad that we absolutely have to strengthen next summer?
1: I agree with you. I, I know, I've had, I went back and forth with uh, somebody on Twitter about this, and like, we have so many holes in the defense that we need to fill. We have had, I like, Reese James is great, I would love to go get another fullback, like, mm-hmm. they're just, I, I really would like us to focus on getting a world-class defender and spending a lot of money on, like, Koulibaly or just somebody else. And like you said, we, we just, we have, what, uh, an 18-year-old winger, a 21-year-old winger. Like, Mason Mount has been playing on the wings out of necessity. Um, Looked good to too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, so why why go spend $200 million and get into this? The, the bidding war for Sancho is going to be nuts. And like, why spend so much money on a position when we? I just feel like, like you we just could go spend that money elsewhere and like create depth and and maybe make a marquee signing elsewhere. I don't know. I'm I'm split on this though. I could be swayed the other way because I think his play style would fit in really well with Chelsea. Yeah. So I like, like I think it would work well. But I don't know. I think the money could be spent better elsewhere.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I I think we need to go after a very well established left back. Yeah, someone mm-hmm. someone ready made, someone that could jump right into the squad and just be a leader. I, I, but, I think I think that's paramount. Yep. Right.
2: If, if there is a guy out there, kinda like how City got Joao Cancelo, who can play both sides. How did they
0: pull that off? Yeah.
2: I mean he hasn't started mind. he hasn't started off very well, but To to be fair, he came in and... and,
0: He's nuts.
2: He's such a good player. He's going to be great, right? And to to me, I think... And listen to how I've kind of like thought this whole thing up. So right now we have four center backs in our team. We've got Rudiger, Christensen, Tomori, and Zuma. Mm -hmm. To me, we can't buy another center back without selling one of those guys. And I honestly think that we can get some good value for Zuma. I think that Zuma would be the guy... That I would sell out of the four because he has Premier League experience. He's done well for those mid to lower table side teams. And at this point in his uh, career, he no longer counts as an under 20 something player. Therefore, he counts as an international player. And I'd rather have a world class world beater like Bali or Roe Magnoli or something like that, coming in and taking one of those slots up because he would be a starter.
0: I disagree. I, you're blocking the pathway for Tomori at that point. Are you,
2: though? Because and Christian.
0: Because you're not dropping Rudiger.
2: Okay. So but then you got We don't split. know that, though. Rudiger still hasn't played for us. Yeah,
1: Rudiger just not enough.
2: Tomori's only getting better. And he's got Frank's trust entirely. So, like, at this point, I'm thinking, we really don't know. And... Okay, so yeah, one of Tamori, Christensen, and Rudiger won't play every single week. But most center backs don't get to their max potential until like 29 years old. We don't. We still haven't gotten a full view of Rudiger in a back four where he's the leader yet because he's been injured. Christensen and Tamori are not the finished product yet. They're still getting better. They're still filling into their bodies, etc., But if we have 200 million, like, are we really going to pass up on a guy that can start with one of those three guys? Because, again, as much as we love Rudiger, we can get better at that position.
0: But we don't – that's – yeah, yeah, of course we can get better at that position. But there's other players that need the playing time more more than anything right now. Like, I look at Christensen. I've been pretty critical of him all season. Like, I don't think he's been poor, but I just don't think he's developed as quickly as Chelsea fans would have liked. But that's a guy who's, what, 24 now? He needs as much playing time as possible. You look at a guy like Rudiger, he's 26. As much playing time as possible. Now you got Kyle Tomori coming through. That just kind of complicates things a little bit more. But you, we have so much depth at center back. We have no depth at left back. Marcus Alonso is playing out of position. Emerson, he's good, but I don't think he's a long-term solution at left back. I still think we need to strengthen there. Right back, we got Reese James coming through, so we're fine. I think our midfield is, is young, especially with Ampadu coming back. And Connor Gallagher looks incredible. Billy Gilmore. I mean, we're pretty much set everywhere else on the pitch. I think one world-class left back, someone ready-made, someone that's an international I don't even care if they're older. I don't care if they're 29 or 30 just to bring like a quick stopgap player just to kind of bolster our squad a little bit. That's that's paramount right now. I, I, I just, just don't, don't think,
2: think that exists in the market right now. Like that's my thing. Like if, if right now we're we're for sure – we can agree that we're going to get at least a Europa League spot next season, right? Like that's kind of – Yeah, it's po- yeah, yeah, be like, disappointing at this yeah. point. Yeah. So yeah. – Let's say worst case scenario we get Europa League. That's still four competitions. like and it's Chelsea. like yes, Frank Lampard, no matter how the season ends, it's going to get a pass, whether it's a great one or a no one. But next season, you better believe that the expectations are going right back up to where they used to be and trophies are going to be required. Like mm-hmm. I think we can get someone like Chilwell for 50, 60 million at left back, English so we can add to the ability to get an international player. You maybe ship out Alonzo and you have Emerson and Chilwell competing, both young guys competing to get that starting spot, competing also to earn their starting job for their countries at left back. And then you go all out on a world class. And I mean, like we go for like when we got Ricardo Carvalho, like a guy that is in the top five center backs in the world. Not like I don't know. It's not going to happen. But why not? The question is, why not?
0: It's not it, going to happen. Romagnoli will go to Juve. Koulibaly's never leaving Napoli. I just – I just, I don't know. I don't
2: – I just don't think there's this left back uh, that is what you're asking for. Like who is out there that for one wants to leave where they are? Okay, and, and maybe
0: maybe there's not a world-class name, but there's definitely potential world-class players. The first yeah. one that comes to mind, maybe Nico Schultz. I mean he I know just he just done. moved the – He
1: just got I, though. I
0: know, I know he just got his move, but I mean if we're going to be in the market next summer, that's – if we throw out enough money, Dortmund will sell. They're uh, fine. What about maybe, what about Ashraf Hakimi? He could also play at a left back. Yeah. I know. I know it's two players from the same team, but
2: he, I those would those are like two him. potentially
0: world class players right
1: there.
2: Hakimi can play both sides, so I'm cool with that signing. But even yeah. he won't cost us more
1: than 60 million. So I think that uh, I like the idea of signing like a world class left back. I think Chillwell is a good shout for like the obvious reasons if he's English. Um. But I think that we could go after, like, a world-class left back. But I I think that, like what you were saying about Hakimi being versatile, I think a guy like Youssef Atal or, I mean, th- th- I'm biased because I'm American, but, I mean, maybe he plays for America. Hopefully he does. Oh, uh, I know Serginho what you yes. to And I saw today that that Barcelona is looking at him. Like, he is a guy Dude, we're playing against him in the does. Champions League. We have plenty of T starting for Ajax. At 18 years old, he can play. If he plays for the U.S. men's national team, I could see him playing winger because Dude, he's he, arguably he even, the most skillful player in six. the entire squad. Yeah. And so it's crazy. so he would be a guy you bring in a world class left back, then you bring in a guy because I think him and Atal are very similar players. So you bring in one of those two guys to to spell for Reese James. Or there are games where we might want to play Reese James in the midfield and then you play Atal or Dest at right back. Like, that just one of those guys, like a good utility player that can play like four, four or five different positions. Uh, yeah. is mean, just Steve, so valuable.
0: I, I, I do like Tagliafico a lot too, even mm-hmm. though Arsenal's been linked with him. But I actually think he's actually class. Yes, maybe maybe a guy like that could come in and 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 be you know the guy for us. It, my point being, we just have so much potential at center back. And the only way to find out if they're going to be a success at Chelsea or not is to play them. Like, we can't be loaning them out anymore. We can't be having them learn under the tutelage of somebody, especially Christiansen, Because I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm not worried about him, but he needs to get playing time more than Tamori does at this point. You know, the, the guy's 24. I get that.
2: I get that. I just think that, like, if we don't bring someone else, then we go back to just that stale – like, we, ha- we have to push – what we require this team to be to to move to the next level again, right? And and yes, like these guys need to play, but they all, at the same time they need to feel pressure from somewhere else. Like
0: okay, I think I think we're I think we're addressing the wrong question here. I think the real question is: out of the guys I just mentioned, could one of those guys potentially be the world class player? That way we don't I, have to go out and spend. past
2: yeah. mark. I think Christian's yeah, is now going to be. The mark. A good rotation player for Chelsea. As much as I love Christensen, like Tamori has already passed him, and Christensen has been struggling with confidence issues has that Tomori I don't think. Him, in in Frank's uh, size. I think so. Well, yeah, I
0: mean, I, I mean, I'm talking, I'm I'm talking just raw potential because Frank's not going to be Chelsea manager the next ten years. It's so just not I the think, way things work.
1: I think that the thing that we're looking at so the, of the of the four guys we've mentioned, Zuma, Tamori rudiger and christensen uh if we didn't get rid of anybody kept everybody didn't buy anybody are five years from now or three years from now who would be our ideal pairing it would probably be rudiger and tamori i don't think it'd be rudiger and christensen i think we'd end up being rudiger and tamori and I so agree.
0: tamori and has so, the english thing going for him too
1: right but I, I also think that the the situation we're in and it's kind of nice that we have a lot of time to think about it, is. We have to play him the whole season. like we don't really have any other options. Right. And we're going to know at the end of the year. Because yeah. another thing, is like before the season started, I was like, oh, yeah, let's go out and spend 150 million on a striker because I wasn't sure about Tammy. And like now Tammy is absolutely lighting it up. So I've totally backed off of that. Um, right. So maybe maybe, you know, around February and March, Tamori is lighting the world on fire and looks fantastic. And we're like, whoa. Maybe we don't need to go spend a lot of money on a center back. Like, that could change. There could be a lot of things that change between now and May.
2: And one thing that I definitely just forgot to mention earlier because we jumped on the defense kind of topic. In terms of Sancho, like, all right, realistically speaking, all the rumors flying around that Barcelona and Juve are going to come in on a free for Willian, I think there's some substance to that because both teams, for one, Barcelona has been linked with Willian forever. and, And there has to be... If, where there's smoke, there's fire, right? Like, by now, there those there has to be some truth behind that. And then in terms of Juve, they love a free transfer. Like, they just do. And I could He'd totally see... Yeah. I could totally see Willian thriving in Syria, uh, kind of like how Juan Cuadrado is like 10 times the player when he touches yeah. Italian soil. Yeah. So, uh, for me, like, again, going back to... I guess in my head, I'm thinking of that Chelsea side that should have won a Champions League at one point, where we had people like... Bollock and Joe Cole fighting for minutes. Like, that only happens when you strengthen the team with world-class potential. So, if next season we lose out on both Pedro and William walking away, and let's say that by now Mount has solidified, let's say we're, we're running a 4-2-3-1 now. That means that Mount is in the middle with Loftus-Cheek splitting time. And then we only have uh, Cho and Pulisic. Why not add Sancho to the equation? Like, yeah. we, we we aren't sticking to a 4-3-3. I mean, Frank has played a 3-4-3. We've done the 4-2-3-1. Sancho, I mean, let's be real. He signed that contract with with Dortmund because he knows he's going back to England. Like, I, I really don't think there's any other options. And I doubt he goes back to City just because of the way he left. So if we're being honest, we're probably one of the three teams he might consider i think that united and chelsea are probably the two teams I can afford him and he would consider going to so i i don't think that it's gotten to a point where this rumor has actually got any substance because i know that it's more like oh he's friends with tammy and oh he's friends with Cho. but i mean that i could see us trying for something like that
1: i do worry about pulisic getting ptsd if we sign him i agree that's the the only thing not he'll he'll, be out in two seconds yeah and it's like that's that's would be tough is like i think that he's a strong personality or like not strong in the sense of like outspoken but strong in the sense of uh like determined uh like he's just he's not gonna like back down from a challenge but like he left dortmund kind of on like a uh not a bad note that you know obviously like it was amicable but but just left after not really playing and being replaced by this generational talent, like a very good player. Um, And like, then he plays one season that has so far been kind of tough. Um, And then they bring in the guy that replaced him at Dortmund. Like that would, that would be hard. He still would get plenty of playing time. Like you said, if we, if we lost William and Pedro, there's only three guys rotating for two spots. Um, He'd play plenty, but it just, I don't know what that would do to his psyche.
2: Yeah. Uh, I honestly think that right now there is no real depth behind the Sancho rumors outside of the fact that he's friends with all of our players. I think in terms of the rumor mill, I think the one name that has substance is Ben Chilwell, and that's because left back is definitely a position that we need to strengthen. I I wouldn't
1: be mad.
0: I wouldn't be mad, but I'm going to be honest. It's not the type of signing that is going to. Blow me out of my seat and be like, "Wow, this is going to take our yeah, it's defense not sexy. to the next level." It's yeah, definitely it's not, not, not. Sexy.
2: but it's solid. It's like I, the way I see Ben Chilwell, I think like, what is his like potential compared to? I think that he could be like a Robertson. Like he's 22. I mean, Rob- we have him for a while too. Yeah, and, and like Robertson yeah, is yeah. sexy left back, but Robertson gets you eight nine assists. So like. Yeah. That's the way I kind of see Chilwell where he's like an actual all around left back. Like he'll do the work both forward and backwards. He's not lightning fast. He doesn't do scissors three times and beats four players, but <laughs> he gets, I'd rather, he I'd gets the s- overlapping run. And again, we want Cho and Pulisic and those guys to be doing the scissors and the dribbling and whatnot. We just want a guy that does the hard work to open up space for them. Yeah. That's why I kinda I'm cool with a Ben Chilwell left back yeah. signing if that's a thing.
0: Yeah. It's just Possibly a long season. A yeah. Like, yeah, yeah.
2: And
1: you mean, know Jovic kind oh, of came out of nowhere last year. There could be a guy like him. you know, like
0: Oh, yeah. There's still a lot of season left. I mean, yeah, we, we, like, we yeah. don't know about anybody. And I've barely dipped yeah. into the transfer market in FIFA, too. So, like, yeah. wait, wait until I get some knowledge. <laughs> Your
1: scouting
0: <laughs> reports
2: are
1: live. My scouting right? reports are going to be insane. I'm well, just thinking of that. Like, Jovic and uh, what's-his-face uh, Portuguese... Atletico Madrid, oh, Real yeah. He, Felix. Like both of them, obviously, people knew about them, but they, I mean, last season just absolutely uh, caught on fire, and like,
2: and, and one of them like has kept his form, and the other one can't get minutes. So yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dude, the Jovic one is confusing.
0: Benzema's just
2: Benzema very... has six goals right now, so
0: Benzema's an enigma too.
2: Like we talked yeah. about Ross Barkley being an enigma. You
1: think he's done, and then he it comes back it is you, one of those you forget things, right? how
0: good he is yeah it, it, like he, he'll suck or he'll be injured for like 4 months and then you'll see him and you're like wow he has 9 goals in the last 11 matches what
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> then he releases some lit ig video
2: oh my god his social media game is wild but yeah, yeah um let's let's move on to the final question this one's from another guest of the pod it's Jad and he says with current form and the upcoming easier schedule, what do you think the odds of top four are and have the expectations for this season altered? Uh, Bobby, we'll start with you.
1: Yeah, uh, to the altered part, certainly. Um, I was content with us. So my expectations coming into the season were I just want us to have an identity. I want the young players to play. And for us to just get better as the season goes on, if we finish 10th, if we finish 8th, and, and... get better as the season goes on i'd consider that a a success i thought that was kind of where it was headed i thought that the ceiling was five or six um now i'm looking at arsenal stinks um man is a dumpster fire and we're competing like what what is isn't uh like west ham like fourth right now i don't know the table off the top of my lester's fourth Leicester's fourth
0: yeah Like is actually really fucking good this year. They are, their awesome.
1: Yeah, their midfield's awesome.
0: Yeah,
2: midfield's awesome. Just um, wait till their midweek, midweek yeah. pick up. I don't think. They yeah, yeah. Exactly. Right. Go on, yeah. On. Yeah,
0: they're gonna dip so, eventually.
1: So I think that to that it has changed because I think that I was kind of worried about other teams improving and I don't know that they really improved and I think that we're a lot better than I mean we're a lot better than I thought we were going to be this year because all the players with potential have been showing that potential. Not like, and not in like spurts either. It's been kind of consistent, which is wild with young players to have any kind of consistency. Um, So, yeah, I think that, I think that, I think odds, like if I had to put like a percentage on it of top four, I'm going to say like like 40% positive of top four. Like it's just, it seems ridiculous because it would be like, like that, that, that consistency over, you know the whole length of the season and injuries and stuff, but I mean, like it could be higher. I don't know. I I'm optimistic though. I'm, I guess cautiously optimistic that we could finish top four would be the best way to put it.
0: Hmm. This is this is tough, guys. I I I'm on Bobby's side. I think it's I think it's around like thirty to forty percent chance that we'll finish in the top four. Because okay. Let's kind of humble ourselves for a second. We are a young team. Mm -hmm. There are going to be more injuries, especially with the way it's been going. There's (laughs) going to be more dropped points. There's going to be another Sheffield. There's going to be... You know, you you catch my drift here? Like, we're going to fuck up again. And I think... And, you know, like, there was this conversation with with Soulstar last year where he won six games on the spin and got the job. And since he got the job... He's been shit. Like, he's never been a good manager. But there was this, you know, whole aura around him just winning. And I think I'm scared the same thing's happening to Frank. I think Frank's I I actually think Frank's a manager. That's the difference between him and Soulstar. I actually think Frank can coach players and can manage football matches. But the real test of this team and how good they are is going to be the first time we really run into a wall. Where we drop a game or two on the spin, maybe a tough loss at home, uh, you know, conceding a 90th minute penalty, something's gonna happen this season where we're gonna dip. It happens to every single team. The way we respond to that is gonna tell you know where we finish up in the league. So it just depends when that dip is for me, but if it happens sometime around December January, I mean you can you can drop 9 out of 12 points real quick. So if we have a dip sometime around there, I don't think the top four is going to (sighs) be... All right, guys. I'm going to go 40%, Bobby. Fuck it. (laughs) I'm kind of on your side because I don't know what's going to happen with Tottenham. We don't know what's... I mean, Tottenham will be fine because they have decent players. We'll Manu's see, though. It
2: feels like their their team has just, like, said, screw this. Like, I don't know what's going on there. Something's up at Tottenham. They're, like, yeah. outperforming expected goals. Like, it just doesn't look smooth. I I just – I am shocked by the way things are going for them. Arsenal, we said they're awful, but they're somehow scratching away results. They're obviously somehow finding the back of the net, even with Pettit yeah. being a total flop. But I mean, in terms of our next couple games, I mean, we have Newcastle at home, Burnley away, uh, and I'm going strictly Premier League here. Uh, yeah. I Midweek mean, between those, we have Ajax and then United, but then we have Watford away, and then Crystal Palace at home before we get City away. So if we can get those points, if we can go into City undefeated, like I think by then we'll have a better idea of what the table looks like. And then it's when it gets tough for us. We have City away, then West Ham at home, like then Aston Villa at home, and then Everton away. Like I know those games sound easy, but those are trap games, right? Aston Villa, the promoted side. We already saw that with Sheffield. And then Everton, who, of course, is in awful form, will somehow have a magical day against us, and we're going to probably have a tough game there too. So for me, I think that once we get – to probably right before the winner really picks up is when we'll really know what this team is made of, you know, the mistakes here and what is our true potential when the ball gets rolling? Like that's when we'll see our real level, because at that point we'll be playing two games a week consistently. What's the depth looks like, uh, looks like uh, what, where are certain players going to go? Like is Rudiger going to come back and be ready? Is Loftus-Cheek going to play in the four through three? Are we going to use him as a number 10? Like, there's still some questions that are going to need answering for the better, I think. But, yeah, I think 40% is a good shout for top four. I still don't think we require a trophy this season. But, no. yeah, I, I think I think we'll stumble into the top four much like we did last year, where uh, to our benefit, a lot of our opponents are going to help us out. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Because, well, I think- again— Third and fourth place are going to be... There's going to be a huge canyon between second and third. Like, we, we... I think we can, for sure, scratch off any chance of breaking into the top two, right? Like, it's Liverpool City in some order, then a huge gap, and then the rest of us.
1: Yeah, and it's looking like Liverpool, too, because City... City struggled a little bit. Um, yeah. But I think that, like, also, by, like, this stretch of games... Like you said, a lot of very winnable games um it'll show us a thing with consistency because with young players i worried more about dropping you know like the sheffields at the beginning of the season when players were getting used to playing in the premier league they're nervous whatever they're, they're a little inconsistent if we're still hanging around by by the winter i think that the consistency thing in theory should have sorted itself out because if we're inconsistent up to then then obviously it's an issue but Young players like theoretically should get more consistent as as the season goes on. So as long as we can like avoid those a lot of a lot of those Sheffield games uh in this like s- this stretch that we're going through right now, I think that top four gets increasingly uh the, the odds get increasingly better.
2: Yeah. I, I for me I think it's this definitely this bit and then how the team plays and I want to say like maybe February, March because at that point you also have enough tape on a team to where those relegation teams at that point in the season they're going to just park the bus and get each <laughs> point they need, right? So yeah. at that point it's not so much about how what can Chelsea do and what's their level, it's more about what the opponent on the other side is going to try to do. Right now it's early in the season, these sides are trying to get the 3 points. They're playing open football. They're like, let's try to get the points now and then kind of just ro- ro- roll into the end of the season when in reality we know they're not going to be able to do that very long like Norwich beat City and they're in the relegation zone right so at one point or another these managers for these relegation zone teams are going to start saying now we need to get each and every point one way or another and seeing how we're the I think third best attack in the league if I'm not mistaken people are going to start putting 10 men back so that's that's where we'll start getting tested again, more so than the mistakes. So yeah, we'll get consistency, but then it's can we break down these five back five men back lines?
0: Yeah. I don't know. I still I I, I think I, I think actually I'm gonna go fifty percent, guys. I'm going up. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> you up. I into it? <laughs> I'm feeling I'm feeling confident about this. Now the more I'm thinking about it, I just kind of forgot how much. I have the Lakers preseason game here, so I'm kind of zoning out in and out. But I, I, I kind of forgot how much Manu and Tottenham suck. Yeah, they and, really stink. And you know they really suck when you're, you know, confident that Arsenal are going to be okay. <laughs> like that's when you know you really suck because yeah. I think Arsenal will be a top four team regardless. I just think they have too many goals in them and there's too many teams in and around them dropping points for them not to finish in the top 4. Like it's this year it's really on them if they don't make it
1: in the top 4, but in the middle of the table's gotten so much stronger. I mean, you look at teams like Leicester, West Ham, Wolves, like they've all yeah. made such big strides with like players they've bought and they've hit on all of their transfers like
0: they're actually like those, good.
1: Yeah, those games are not you can't just like mark those. Like it used to be like top 6 and then like like big big drop and then 7 and then but now it's kind of like yeah like anybody up to like 9 or 10 like you can't just like write off as a win because you're more talented like you kind of have to kind of have to play those games out and like like even like city could lose those games or like you know i think that Definitely. city and liverpool are very good but like i mean city lost to norwich that's bad <laughs> that's really really bad and like i just don't see i don't see liverpool dropping those games this year either i think they're going to run away with the league
2: they're they're getting the help too, right? Like, let's be real. Liverpool is yeah. is winning so the better. the nail biters. They're kicking butt too. At the same time, winning by a crap ton, and then they're also getting help from the referees. Like,
1: yeah,
2: <laughs> the they triple had top,
0: Tottenham like... in the Champions League final, who was probably the most out of form team in, in Europe at the time. I mean, then you have this yeah. Premier top. League season where everybody just fucking sucks this year everyone's supposed to be so good and they all suck so much the only team that like we're we're exceeding expectations Leicester's definitely exceeding west ham does that to an extent other than that who's really exceeding expectations this year Norwich wow. did for one game for five yeah. team of cookie goals like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's there's really like you're gonna tell me Sheffield's overlapping wingbacks have taken a Premier League or uh, the center backs center have backs. taken a Premier League by storm like no <laughs> no the the Premier League sucks this year the qual like the players are there the managers are there the teams are there the quality of football has been pretty awful like in general have you watched a United game this season? No. My brother's a United fan. It was one of the most boring forty-five minutes of football. It honestly felt like
1: I was watching an international champions cup second half blowout. Oh, their the best is the their goal of the month was was, uh, was a Rashford, Rashford penalty Rashford penalty because it was the only one they scored. Like what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> like, how do you do that? Why even
0: drop a fucking video, guys? Come on. Oh, Jesus. Shit.
2: Honestly. You should not do a month or goal of the month. If anything, give it to your academy team or something. That Just was scrubbing yeah. out of memory. Scrub how many sick academy
0: goals are like, how many how many sick women's goals are goal of the month? Like, there's a, there's a goal of the month for the women like every few months now. Like, yeah. there's so many teams at the club. Help yourself at that, that academy. Yourself. Shit. Don't show a goal of the month. Put a save of the month of De Gea saving one of the 30 shots on targets he concedes. Like, it. I don't know. <laughs> I,
2: it's I just think like at one point or another, like teams start firing their managers, caretakers go back to the basics and things get shuffled around. I don't think Pochettino will get the axe. I apparently Solx is not getting the axe, according to certain reports saying that he's got like a two or three year plan that they're writing out. But oh God, people say this. that until it gets even worse. Yeah, please right? leave him like, there. I mean When we had Mourinho round two, that awful 15 16 season, um, like I remember everyone always like Chelsea commenting, like, oh, we're backing Mourinho. Mourinho's our manager, blah, 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 until we hit the relegation zone. Like when we jumped, like fell to 17th, it was like, no, (laughs) like this is it. I'm sure United like is considering that. Like, I, I, I don't see. Gunnar Solskjaer getting that far luckily we play them in a few weeks in the Carabao Cup, so we'll get to just beat on them a little bit more but yeah I overall I do think the expectations have turned I want to keep myself realistic though because I catch myself saying oh we could definitely get third place but (laughs) the Premier League is the Premier League surprises happen maybe Arsenal finally starts clicking and Pepe bags a few goals or You never know. Tottenham get their act together and and Vertonghen and and Ericsson can be pals and share their wives or whatever is going on over there. But yeah, I mean, the Premier League is crazy. I do think we have a realistic chance at top four. I think in my head we were going to get sixth before the season started. But I I don't think that there needs to be a trophy this season. Uh, But I definitely think that next season, after what we've seen so far... One trophy is gonna be my my like good good area to consider it a good season.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I almost want to raise my percentage again. We gotta we, we, we <laughs> gotta wrap this up before I just say fuck it. We're gonna do it, guys. I'm, we're gonna win the league. Drinks on me.
1: Yeah, we're gonna win every <laughs> game from here on out. Liverpool is gonna drop a few, and we're gonna win the fucking league. <laughs> Jamie Abraham's uh, going score thirty-five goals. in In my career
0: mode, he's on his way. He's <laughs> on his way, my friend. He's a thirty-goal striker. I think. I, I think right now he's on like eighteen, and I'm in March. Oh. So, like, if I could, if I could put a run of games together, I might be. I might be looking at thirty. Anyways, <laughs> that would be a miracle considering how hard it is to score a fucking headed cross but, <laughs> but that's beside the point um, speaking of FIFA uh, you know I mentioned Andres peer pressured me into recording this episode and uh, and I gave in and I said I didn't want to do it and here we are talking an hour past our original plan time but anyways um, we're gonna be releasing a, a FIFA. Episode. Is that right, Andres?
2: Yeah. So, uh, spearheaded some,
0: by Andres, should I say?
2: Sam, Zach, and I have been in the group text talking about our FIFA manager modes. So, we decided we'll do a quick little episode talking about who has been a surprise for us in FIFA and have we changed kind of what Lampard has done with Chelsea to make it our own. And just a little quick thing. I mean, it's international break, everyone hates it. So, we figured we'll add a little bit of content some lighthearted stuff right before we get into the Newcastle review and get back to the premier league this weekend. So stay tuned for a second pod this week and we're the premier league's around the corner guys. Chelsea football is almost back. You're almost there. I know these days are long and boring, but we'll have Chelsea this weekend. (sighs)
0: Sounds beautiful. And basketball season starting football season's at its peak. I mean, this is a, what a time to be alive guys.
2: And one last thing guys, if you're listening to this, tweet at Josh Hart because Ugh, yeah, we, we need to get this man on the podcast. I love how every Chelsea match he is watching, he is posting about it. We just, Don't he's, y'all we he's need really really get die him to hard, on. man. Yeah, we Ugh, just need I'd to get him to come him. on. Hopefully before the NBA starts cuz I know he'll be a busy man, you know, trying to play and earn his contract. So Josh Hart, I'm going to keep bugging you, man. He's established,
0: man. He's such a good basketball player. I'm so, I was the so best sad when we player. traded
2: him.
1: Yeah. The best. yeah, Bobby, he's If the you're best. listening, Josh Hart, you're the best player in the league. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, but anyways. Uh, yeah, guys, stay tuned. We are going to be dropping another episode. Um, apologies if this one was a little too informal for you, but... We just said fuck it. We want to go off the top of the dome. And I want to be honest with you guys. I think this is one of our best episodes that we've ever made. So I hope you guys enjoy and uh, stay tuned for an episode later this week. Until then, keep the blue flag flying high.